You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. Now, today, we'll be having our series break. Last week, we concluded or ended our previous series called The Miracle. It's all about our Christmas series. If you miss any of those installments, you can check it on our website for our podcast. Next week, we'll be starting a brand new series naman for the new year, of course. We're going to talk something that's very important for all of us, okay? I know many of us are anticipating, excited for the new year. And so with that being said, we're going to talk about faith today. We're going to talk about faith. And for that, okay, the title of our sermon today is called The Faith of the Canaanite Woman. Okay? The Faith of the Canaanite Woman. And when we talk about faith, it's very important. Whether you've been walking the Lord for the longest time, okay? 10 years, 20 years as a Christian, as a believer, or if you're new as a believer, Perhaps the like victory weekend ka this year, or you've just gone through one-to-one, or you've just joined a victory group. Faith is really important because as believers, as followers of Christ, we cannot live our lives hoping to honor the Lord without faith. For example, in, in these verses, 2 Corinthians, Romans 1, and Hebrews 11. Okay, but in these three verses, like in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says here, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Okay? In our walk with the Lord, we need to have faith. Or in Romans 1 verse 17, the righteous shall live by faith. Who are the righteous? These are the people of God, to those who believe and receive Christ. So if you are a believer of Christ, you're a follower of Christ, you ought to live by faith, or we ought to live by faith rather. And in Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Meaning we cannot please God without faith. I mean, try as we might to do something for the Lord, if we do not exercise faith, if we do not move in faith, if there's no faith applied, then we cannot please God. So in other words, as believers, again, faith is important. We should, we should do all we can to nurture and strengthen our faith, basically. So again, this topic is for all of us, not just for the new believers, not just for those who are but for, for all of us, regardless of your season, whether you're a student, you're married, you're single, this is for all of us on topic. And for that, can you read your Bibles to Matthew 15, verse 21 to 28. Okay, this will be our main passage. Okay, Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28. I'll give you some time to read your Bibles, whether it's your actual physical one or an app on your phone. Let's all read of it together. It says here in verse 21, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall on their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So as we look at our verses here, all right, Matthew 15, all right, it's not the main chapter. We're just going to do two things today. Okay, we're going to answer two things mainly. Uh, what is this text about? What's going on? Okay, what happened, what's happening in our story? And also very much importantly, what does it mean for us today? Okay, what does this text mean for us? Why should we take time to look into this text? So jumping right in in our story, okay, we find Jesus and his disciples, or rather his apostles, okay, the first 12, 
with him in a district of an, uh, in a district or an area called Tyre and Sidon. These are two cities, basically. All right, in Tyre and Sidon were two Phoenician sister cities known for their opulence, their wickedness. These are pagan cities. This is not Judea's or Jerusalem. See, Jesus and his disciples, they're not in a place that's predominantly filled with Jews or people who follow God or wants to follow God. This is a pagan Gentile city, or cities rather, kasi So they're in this area, and uh, this area, okay, what's interesting as well is that with Jesus, he traveled from his previous location called Genesaret, and the length of his travel is, is about 80 kilometers. Okay, so him and his people, okay, ang, ang apostles niya, they traveled for 80 kilometers to go to this place called Tyre and Sidon, an area. And I'm saying that because later on, I'm going to expound more of it because Jesus is always purposeful with his travels. Every time he would travel, every time he would go somewhere, whether it's to minister, to teach, to cast out demons, whatever, each time he would travel, there would be a purpose. Okay, so just think about it for a while. Okay, There's a reason why he came here to Tyre and Sidon. Now, in this place, in Tyre and Sidon, okay, in our story, there's someone who had an encounter with Jesus. And of course, it is that woman who came begging and pleading on Jesus. Now, the text says that this woman says here, Oh, behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. So the text described this woman as a Canaanite woman. So this isn't your usual Jewish woman, okay? Now, makita niyo sa previous instances where Jesus would heal the sick or would do something for them. This is a pagan woman, meaning she did not grow up in the ways of God. She has very little knowledge about the God that the Jews worship. She grew up in a city of idolaters. Okay? They would worship idols, false gods. That's her background. She's a Gentile person. And not just that, it says here, Canaanite. She's a descendant of one of the enemies of Israel okay? in, their, in their history. When they're about to conquer and claim their promised land, there are other people dito. And those were the Canaanites. And this woman is a descendant of that. So basically, she is a Gentile, Canaanite, pagan, adulterer. She's like someone you don't expect. Jesus. And yet, in this story, unexpectedly, you have the, the least expected person in the world, probably, to come to Jesus and beg him and ask him to do something for her. You have here a Gentile person, again, who has very little or no idea of who Jesus was. Okay? And yet, it says, it says here, she said, O oh Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. So she's, so she's asking for Jesus to heal her daughter. This gentle woman is asking, pleading for Jesus. Now, what happened ba? as we go through this story? How did Jesus and his apostles respond to what, what, what was happening? To the plea, to the request made before them. It says here, Interestingly, in verse 23, but he, Jesus, did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she is crying after us. Let that sink in. Jesus' first response was, he did not answer her a word. Or in an, another translation in the NLT, it says here, but he didn't answer her a word. Okay? Not even one word, no response, not, not even a yes or a no, wala, silence lang. Hilum lang si Jesus. Walang ka response. And as for the disciples, okay, their response was, send her away. Okay? Either send her away, meaning issue away siya, or send her away, okay, just do whatever she wants, basta papapawa lang siya. They were annoyed. Why were they annoyed? Because it says here that she was crying out after them. 
gahilak siya. She came in crying, and, and even as Jesus was silent, she kept on crying. And she was crying after them. And the disciples were like annoyed at what was happening. And when we, when we look at that, when we read that, we might be confused. Why is this happening? Why is Jesus not answering the request of this woman? I mean, if you look at some verses before that, palang, Matthew 14, verse 34, it was, no, it was no issue for Jesus to heal the sick or to cast out demons. In verse 34, it says here, And when they had crossed over, they came to land at Genesaret, and when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all the region and brought to him, brought to Jesus, all who were sick. So it's a previous place, like to Jesus, there were people who recognized him, and said, oh, this is Jesus. This is the guy we've heard about who did miracles, who healed the sick and all these things. Let's, let's bring all our sick people. So they, they sent like notice. Okay, like text blast sila. Okay, they sent like emails and all that. And said, you know what? Come here. Nasi Jesus. So they brought all who were sick towards Jesus. And it says here in verse 36, and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. Ang gas la pag Jesus, maskik bakahikap lang me. Sa fringe, okay, sa edge, sa imong sanina, or masikwilyo lang man, or whatever. So that, okay, they would be made well, so that they would be healed. And as many as touched it were made well. So those who did touch that garment, they were made well, they were healed. So in other words, in the previous location when he did ministry, Jesus healed the sick, basically. So no issues right there. So why here? Why in this place of Tyre and Sidon with this woman begging, crying, out to the Lord, why is it that there was no response? Why is it that silent passage, Jesus? We're going to look at the answer to that later on, but I want to pause for here for a while because I believe that for some of us here today, we can greatly relate to what this woman is going through. Perhaps you can relate to this woman that there have been times, perhaps recently or throughout this year, that you cried out to the Lord. You prayed to God. Lord, this is what I need. This is what I want. You're crying. You're praying. But somehow you feel like, Lord, as an answer. Lord, what's what's gonna happen? You're begging, you're asking God for an answer for your prayer, but somehow, just like this woman, you felt like, Lord, no, no, silent man, no, no, will my answer? May this story greatly encourage us, church, as we look at what's happening here. So move the forward, okay? So just to qualify, basically, okay, so Jesus, he's not annoyed or angry at this woman, by the way, okay? Unlike his disciples who were greatly annoyed after crying, the text doesn't say that, okay? So he's not annoyed. Just like some of us might be when someone is crying very loud or something sa mukanta. See, Jesus, he, he, he wasn't that. Now in verse 24, after the disciples said, Jesus, send her away. His response was, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Alright? Now that still hurts, okay, basically, if you were the woman. Because if ang first thing he bought in Jesus was silence, okay, or kung sa pa, Cold shoulder, silent treatment, sin zone, okay? Silence. And second response to Jesus was, he was sent to the lost sheep of the house of, the house of Israel. Meaning, he was going to do ministry to a particular group of people. And that is the Israelites, the Jewish people. And again, what's a background on a woman? She is a, what is she? She's a Canaanite woman. She's a Gentile, pagan, not Jewish, not part of God's covenant with his people. An outsider, if you will. So it's like Jesus is saying that priorities. I'm here for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, when we look at this, okay, 
and, and we will see later on as well, this isn't like a blatant rejection to all the Gentiles. Na parang, Jesus Because if that were the case, none of us right now would be saved. Okay? None of us would hear the gospel. Ang point ni Jesus is at this time of his ministry, during the time that he's doing ministry, the focus of his ministry is the lost sheep of Israel. Because he's also to fulfill certain promises made like in the Old Testament, like in Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray, turning them, turning them away on the mountains. From mountain to hill, they have gone. They have forgotten their fold. So even the Old Testament mentions that, that Israel is, is like a lost sheep. Or they're, like, or, they're, or they're like lost sheep in the house of Israel or from the people of Israel. And they need to be brought back. And Jesus is that person, that shepherd, bringing them back. But of course, it doesn't end there lang, okay? Dili lang sa Israel taman. Of course, later on, mapart put ang Gentiles sa, sa, sa ministry, sa mission ni Jesus. Because again, if you remember, if you've been invited for the longest time, you know Matthew 28, right? Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Go and make disciples of all nations. Okay? But, uh, or, or Acts 1, verse 8. You'll be, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Not just the Jewish people. So I want to understand that when, when, when we look at this, it doesn't mean, oi, what I labot ani completely. But only at this point in his ministry, the focus is the lost sheep of the house of Israel. All right? So when you need Jesus, he sent for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So if our first was silent rejection, the second one still feels like a rejection nonetheless. Okay, now, and I priorities ang buhaton si Jesus. Now, what did the woman do? Her response in verse 25 was, she knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. Okay? She didn't give up. She still asked, even though Jesus told her, I have a focus, I have my priorities. She said, Lord, help me. She begged and asked the Lord. And then Jesus had another response to that man. Okay, they have this interchange, this dialogue. And his response was, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. When you see this, it might just seem like grabbing a heart Jesus. Parang aso. Can you imagine sa Pinoy na, if this was like, you know, Pinoy dialect, whatever, like, Dili angay, ihatag ang pagkaunts bata sa mga iro. Mas harsh, di ba? Mas strong ba na So what's going on here? Why is, what is Jesus trying to communicate to this woman? Well, first and foremost, a bit of context. In their time, it was not weird or it was not uncommon for Jewish people, okay? to look down uh, at non-Jewish people, Gentiles, pagans, okay? Basta kay dilik Jewish person, they would look down on those people and you know, have certain, uh, certain insults against them. And one of those was to call them dogs, okay? And the word for that was kuon, not kuan, but kuon, <laughs> okay? Which, which means a dog that was disdained in ancient times because this dog, okay, it, it is a kind of dog that scavenges, okay? Mukaog, kung sa Pinoy pa na, askal. Okay? Mukaog basura, mukaog muscavenge, all that. You know, that, that kind of unclean dog. The dog that you, that you, that you would see in, uh, on the streets. That kind of dog. The Jewish people would use those words, that word, kuon, to describe or to, or to insult non-Jewish people. Now with Jesus, he did not use that word. Okay? Okay? Just to clarify. The word that he used was kunarion, which means small dog or pet dog. Now, there's a stark difference between your, your pet dogs that you love at home, that you, that you take care of, na makaon naman sa food sa balay ninyo, versus the dogs on the street. 
Okay? There's a stark difference. So, so Jesus, Jesus is not calling out this woman as some stray dog, some unclean, uh, hideous creature whatsoever. So dili po ni Jesus. But what he is trying to communicate here is that he's trying to reinforce still, okay? In other words, he doubled down niya ang niya previously. What did he previously say? He says he said that he was sent to gather the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so what he's communicating here when he said that it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs, what he's saying is, I am here for the house of Israel. It's not right to take what belongs to the house of Israel and, and take it and give it to, to, to those who are not part of Israel yet at this time. It's, it's, it's kind of like this, you know, it's like if you go home, you have food with you, you have a family, diba? If you're going to cook, let's say you're a mom, you're going to cook food, you don't tell your kids na, okay, na, unya mukaon, let's feed our dog first. <laughs> Atong unaon si Blackie, og pakaon, okay? Magluto ka pakaon, na prepare ka, mula sa mag 30 minutes, let's feed the dog first, let's, let's unaon na tong basically. Of course not, diba? You would feed your family first. Your, your children, your spouse, whatsoever, you feed your family first, then you would feed your dogs. No matter, no matter how much you love your dogs, basically. Okay? Meaning, now your family. So in other words, see Jesus is trying to communicate to this woman that again, Nashai priorities in his ministry. That is again, the house of Israel. But interestingly, the woman had a very, you know, interesting response. Again, she said, that, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Okay, she said, yes, Lord, even the dogs would eat the crumbs that falls. What's interesting here is that she did not debate the issue when Jesus called her a little dog. She was not angry like, Oy, how dare you compare me to like a dog? Okay, she did not demand to be seen as a child, like, you know, I, I, I ought to be like compared like a child, like the house of Israel, whatsoever. She did not say that. But she simply said na her attitude, okay, was like, all right, I can be like a dog, I, let's go on out. But even dogs, mukaw crumbs, maski crumbs man lang, Lord. Jesus, maski crumbs man lang, okay na ko, Ana. Her attitude was like, I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna keep asking. Yes, I could be a dog. I know the priority, but maski gamay lang, maski kanilang, even just this, even just this crumbs, okay na ko, Jesus. That was her attitude. And in verse 28, Jesus answered her, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. And when we read this verse, then it makes sense to us what's ha- what, what was happening the past few verses. Why is it that Jesus was parang cold, parang indifferent? Why was that? What was the point of Jesus' uh, response to this woman? What's happening here? But Jesus was simply testing her faith. As he tested her faith, okay, meaning at first it was silence. Then he made her realize that the uh, uh, priority, he even mentioned this metaphor about the children and the dogs. But in each time, the woman did not give up. Each time, the woman still kept begging, pleading, asking Jesus to help her. And through that experience, okay, through the testing of her faith, the quality of her faith was displayed. Okay, just like anything, if you want to test if something is authentic, if you want to check something is real, you check for, you check, you check for certain things. Like example, or if Material na gold or something. Kailang it test ni mo if authentic, if sakto na siya. Well, here for the woman's faith, for Jesus to say, "Great is your faith," okay, or you or you have great faith. She tested the woman. Para magets, para makita po sa apostles, sa disciples nila. Here is a woman of great faith. Okay, she had great faith. Okay, in fact, the word used 
uh, the Greek word used to you know, describe great is the word megas. Because sometimes when we hear the word great, parang it loses its impact sa ato, Parang great, okay, great job, great, great. Parang hindi as impactful sa ato, But the word used here is megas, which means large, great, in the widest sense. So this is no small thing, ang commendation ni Jesus sa woman. And again, he's pertaining to what? A pagan woman. A woman who has very little knowledge about Jesus, about who God is, who did, who did not grow up with the scriptures, with the things about God, with God's ways. Worshipping idols and all these things. And yet we have here a woman who was commended by Jesus as someone who has great faith. So the question now is, what made her faith great? How could Jesus commend this woman and say, you know what, great is your faith? Why? What was... What qualities can we learn or can we see in her faith Jesus, that we can greatly emulate and follow as we look forward, as we start our year, as we talk about faith, what can we learn from this story when it talks about great faith? So first and foremost, when we look at this story, okay, first point I want to understand is this woman displayed radical trust in the Lord. She, she, she had a strong conviction, very much with Jesus, no matter how small the idea of who Jesus was. And it's important. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When we talk about faith, okay, I know many of you can think of this verse. That's like the number one verse that pops out of mind when you think about faith. Biblical faith, you see, is not some vague hope based on imagination. Fanta of saying, Abahala na. Come what may. Lord, you can abahala, Lord, and all that. That's not faith. Okay, bahala na. Okay, there's an assurance. A strong a conviction. This is like vague hope based on our imagination, not blind trust, not a leap in the dark, but rather biblical faith is a confident trust in the eternal God. Confident trust in Jesus, who is all powerful, infinitely wise, and eternally trustworthy. There's an object to our faith, and that is Jesus. And He is the reason why we can boldly move in confidence, why we can move boldly and confidently. Thinking uh, whether something good might happen or something bad might happen, si Lord na bahala. No. We trust in who God is and what He can do and what He's able and what He will do. And for this woman, she greatly demonstrated that because she even said, na, Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. The phrase Son of David is a messianic title. It doesn't just pertain to Jesus' lineage, but also His title as the Messiah, as the Savior. Whenever people would refer to Jesus as the Son of David, they meant that he was the long-awaited deliverer, the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. And what is amazing about this woman is that when she called Jesus the son of David, later on in verse 25, she knelt before him. In some translations, like in the King James Version, it actually says there that then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. So for this woman, despite whatever little she heard about Jesus, whether she heard about his previous miracles, or if ever she saw some of them, no matter how brief or small and Jesus, she would not let go. She was like, I want to trust you, Lord. I may have grown up with these false gods, false idols, and who knows, maybe she tried those before, pa? but now that Jesus is there, she was like, no, I will not let you go. Such was her trust in her confidence, in her conviction that Jesus could do something for her daughter. Because if nagdoubt siya, I mean, if she was like 50-50, if Jesus could do something, 
if she wasn't entirely sure that si Jesus na mabuhat, can he really heal my daughter? She would probably walked away from the silent treatment palangdaan. From the first response to Jesus of silence, if she was unsure, she probably would just walk away. Um, well, she gibuhat silence siya. A house of Israel lang, asing lang. Uh, maybe delete more work for non-Jewish people, ayang miracles or something. She probably would thought about that. But such was her conviction that Jesus could do something, could, could heal her daughter, could cast away that demon that's plaguing her daughter, that, that she would not let go. That she kept on begging, pleading Jesus. And this is important because what made this faith all the more amazing is that prior to this as well, Jesus was in a place called Genesaret. And while he was healing, doing things there, he also had an encounter with a certain group of people. And it's in stark contrast, grabbing a contrast versus this woman's faith. And that is the Pharisees. While he was in Genesaret, Jesus had an encounter with the Pharisees. And if you read through your Bible, the Pharisees are supposed to be, supposedly, people of great faith. They're the religious leaders of the Jewish people. They know the law. They memorize the law, the scriptures. They know it so much. Their whole lives is all about studying the law or the scriptures. And yet, Jesus had strong words for them. Jesus did not commend them of their faith. In fact, in Matthew 15, verse 3, it says here, because there was this interaction, I'm summarizing by the way, the Pharisees asked Jesus, why is it that your, your disciples they do not follow the traditions of the elders, of what we prescribe? They do not wash their hands and all that. In verse 3, he answered them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Verse 7, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching the, as doctrines the commandments of men. So I'm sharing this for all of us because, grab contrast. For the Canaanite woman, who was supposedly so unspiritual, so insignificant, that Jewish people would just label her as a dog. And yet Jesus commends her of her faith and say, great is your faith. On the other side naman, before that, you have the Pharisees, supposedly pillars of faith. Because they know the law, they master the law. And yet, Jesus was angry with them because they elevated their own teachings, their own interpretations of the law, and basically equated it as equal to the Word of God. And Jesus said that they were hypocrites. Uh, they may look godly, they may look like holy people, but their hearts are far from the Lord. So we have there a contrast of what should have been a group of people that's honoring the Lord, grabbing faith, hypocrisy sila. And you have here on the other side naman, a woman, seemingly the farthest you can think of now, faithful, you commend Jesus that this is a woman of great faith. So you have here a contrast, what we can greatly learn here, that external behavior doesn't mean that we have great faith. We can go through the motions of church, we can come here every Sunday, we can serve, we can, you know, do the things our friends are doing at church and all of that. But we can be far from the Lord. Our hearts can be far from the Lord and not exercise great faith. We should not equate just doing random good deeds and say, okay, I have great faith. So not, not a stark contrast here. We have Pharisees who have seemingly great faith. But hypocrisy sila. And we have the woman here, pagan woman, who exemplify great faith. Because first and foremost, she had radical trust in the Lord. The Pharisees, they rejected Jesus. They could not identify or accept the idea that he was the Messiah. They completely missed out. That's why Jesus called them blind guides. As much as they mastered and studied the law, they missed out that this is what the law is talking about. Here's the Messiah. Here's Jesus. And they were so blind to that. 
And yet, here is a woman who probably does not know any verse of the law, could identify and say, here is Jesus, and trusted fully in Jesus. Next thing, next quality about the woman's faith is that this woman's faith exemplified persistence, unyielding, right? relentless. You can, you can use any other words here. Point is, she did not give up. Where in so many instances, she could have given up on her faith. When she pleaded against Jesus, oh Lord, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. She did not get what she wanted right away. Jesus' response and the Canaanite woman's response. When Jesus was silent, what did she do? She kept crying after them. Crying to the point that the disciples were annoyed. When Jesus said that I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, she said, Lord, help me. She did not give up. She said, Lord, tabang na ako. And the last part, when Jesus mentioned that metaphor, it's not right to give the food of children or the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She still pleaded, yet Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Here's a question for all of us, church. If you were the Canaanite woman, how would you respond if Jesus did not answer your request? How would you respond? If the first seeming rejection palang, what would we do? Would we walk away immediately? Would we give up? What would happen if the second rejection, what would we do? When Jesus said, I'm only here for the house of Israel, would we give up then as well? Or would we still push through? For many of us here, I know I've had this experience before, sometimes, or a lot of times, when we pray to the Lord, after even praying once, when we don't get what we want, what happens? We grumble. We complain. We figure, oh Lord, you don't hear our prayer. We give up right there. We think that Lord, the Lord is unfaithful. Uh, the Lord is, he doesn't hear our prayers. We get angry. But what about this woman right here? This woman uh, who knows that she deserves nothing from Jesus. In fact, she is begging. She knelt. This woman is like, Lord, I don't deserve anything. But she's begging, asking for Jesus. She did not approach Jesus with entitlement, saying that I should get something. Or she was not angry. Which leads to the third point, actually, of why her faith is great. That is, she exercised humility. Humility. Even though she came to Jesus asking something big, she always responded with humility. She knew that she did not deserve any of these things, but she kept on asking nonetheless. But not in an entitled way, not in, not in a demanding way, but in, in a reverential way towards Jesus. And for us here today, do we exercise that inner faith as well? When we ask something of the Lord, do we give up right away? Do we get grumble, complain? Or do we persist? Do we ask? Perhaps for some of us, not a give praise. Uh, last year's prayer and fasting. When you look at, hey, what's the answer on prayer? When was the last time you prayed that prayer about? Perhaps once rapod, and you've forgotten about it, and we've forgotten about it. Let us persist in our faith. Keep praying. Now, for this woman, again, she also was humble, okay? She exercised humility. Because in Matthew 15, verse 22, 25, and 27, her attitude was that, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, help me. A Lord, even crumbs man lang, Lord. She knew, again, she didn't deserve to ask of the Lord, but she, was, uh, she pleaded, nonetheless, knowing of her status. The last point about her faith I want us to emphasize, I want us to learn, church. It's medyo weird to a point to say. There's other words you can say it, but I want to use this word just to make a point is that her faith was very much raw. What do I mean by raw? Now, when you say the word raw, 
Sometimes it seems negative, diba? When you go to a restaurant, when someone tells you, when you hear the word raw, diba? Parang badja, okay? You don't want to go to a restaurant and realize na raw ang karni gikaon mo. Unless, you know, sushi na dapat Roman sushi or something. But in a sense, when I say raw, I'm pertaining to raw being something that's in a natural state, not processed, not polished. Or another way to say it is pure or genuine. And for this woman, she was just raw, pure, genuine in her faith towards Jesus. What do you mean by that? In verses 22, 23, and 25, when she met Jesus for the first time, what did she do? Says here, she was crying. When she met Jesus, she was not like she composed herself. Parang, you know, if you've ever gone a business meeting, di ba? Parang, tarungunin mo himself. You wear a suit or something. You fix your hair. You check your breath, whatever. Like, okay, I'm going to meet the president of something. I'm, I have to make sure, okay, go. This woman, knowing at least malang that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah, the Savior, came out crying. And I don't know about you, but if knowing how desperate she was, knowing how, how in need she was, this was not like teary-eyed lang, sad-sad, awi. Picture someone uh, in the words of you know, people nowadays, nag-ugly cry siya, okay? Picture someone like that, bawling her eyes out, tears, sip on, like that. And she did not care what Jesus and the disciples would think about her with her appearance. She was crying. In verse 23, when disciples came and begged Jesus, Lord, send her away. She's annoying, just crying. What was she doing? She was crying after them. She kept on crying even again as Jesus was silent. So what she pake on say churaniya, she kept on crying nonetheless. Verse 25. After Jesus said that he had his priorities, she knelt before him, worshipped him as we've seen before, and said, Lord, help me. She didn't say something eloquent, not a long, passionate, amazing speech, trying to convince Jesus why you should help me, Jesus. Jesus, you should help me because this one, this because of this reason. Or she didn't use very highfalutin language, no bleeding language whatsoever. Three words lang, Lord, help me. The most basic words you could probably utter if you're in need of help me, Lord, Lord, help me. And many of us have uttered those words, most likely. Or all of us have uttered them at least once in our lives. Why am I sharing this to all of us as we talk about her faith being raw, being genuine? Because in her encounter with Jesus, she had no pretense. She didn't try to cover up anything. In her encounter with the Lord, she was like, Lord, here is my situation. This is how I feel. Lord, this is what's going on in my life. And it's something that we can greatly learn as well. Because oftentimes, I believe we have heard this in our previous services. And I believe Matt mentioned this as well in a previous service. That in our efforts to get prayer or our faith right before the Lord, we end up getting it wrong because we want to make sure sa tuwatong language, sa tuwatong words, sa tuwatong grammar. I don't know about you. Have you ever tried praying and you're making sure na sa tuwatong grammar yung prayer? <laughs> Somehow, like, alert, sorry, sorry. Or like, you want to make sure sa tuwatong ingon. I understand the heart naman behind it. Eh. Of course, we're praying to the Lord. But when, when we're praying to the Lord, you don't need to, you know, have an attitude as if you're meeting like a, a business partner or a president or something. You can, you can be as honest, raw, and genuine before the Lord. Because here's the thing to church. We're talking about someone who knows the deepest, darkest parts of who we are. Who knows us better than we are, than we do. Who knows our lives, what's going on in our lives, our thoughts, our actions, our deeds, our intentions. Who sees all of that. So what is the point of having pretense before the Lord? 
So likewise, just like this woman, our faith should be just genuine, raw before God. And then, and then what happened? Verse 28, Jesus answered, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This woman, the last person you would expect. I mean, if you were Jesus' disciple or apostle and you were there with Jesus, you probably were shocked. I said, huh? Recommend the pagan woman? Great faith? If you're someone, Jewish person, reading the gospel account of Matthew, because this gospel account was written to Jewish people, they would probably be shocked about Jewish uh, pagan woman recommended Jesus? Yes. Because she exemplified great faith. Because her faith exemplified radical trust in the Lord, persistence. They not give up. Humility. Understand who she was, her status, and you know, revered, worshiped the Lord, and was just raw, genuine, pure. That was her faith. And that is what, that's something that we can emulate and follow as well. Now, as we end, a few more things as we end. There's just one more thing I want us to highlight or you know to grasp as well. Because when we read this story, you might say, okay, wow, I want that faith. How can I strengthen my trust in the Lord? How can I persist? Like perhaps over this past year, perhaps you realize now, okay, there are times I gave up on my prayers. There are times I doubted God so much. There are times now after just praying, I quit now and what? And you want to persist, you want to exemplify humility. You want to strengthen your faith. It may seem like overwhelming or difficult to do. Perhaps after one week, we give up dayon. But there's good news for us as we talk about strengthening our faith or having a great faith. Here's good news for us, church. You see, there's one difference between the woman and us. One important difference between this Canaanite woman and us here today. What is this difference? John chapter 1, verse 12 says, To all who did receive him pertaining to Jesus, who believe in his name, believe in Jesus, he gave the right to become what? To become children of God. The different church between this pagan woman and us is that we are children of God. Sons and daughters of God. We're followers of Christ. Guess what? You are a child of God. Now why is this? What does make all the difference? Well, guess what? Knowing our identities as God's children enable us to have the qualities of a great faith. Meaning, you don't have to force it, parang ah, willpower or something. No. Knowing our identities enables or empowers us to have great faith. Why? Think about this. If you want to grow in your trust in the Lord, when we realize that we are children of God, we don't, we don't need to parang pick up this trust in the Lord. Because why? When you look back and realize that, you know what? You are able to trust God in the most seemingly impossible thing, your salvation. If you realize that if you trust the Lord for your salvation, how can you not trust Him in all other things of this world? If you can trust in the Lord to assure you of something of eternal value that no one else could do, how can you not trust in the Lord that He would come through in the other things of this world? It puts into perspective that, oh, no, if God can do this, if God is able to do this, is able to do exceedingly more in this world as well. Another thing, persistence. Guess what? Why can we persist in our faith? This woman who knew her status as an outsider, not part of God's covenant, persisted. But as church, we are God's children. We have access to the Lord. 
You can persist all you want because you are a child of God. You don't have to be fearful, thinking, ah, nag-pray na ako ng gahapon, baka sambukan si Lord. Okay na ba, magsigo, pray and persist. Guess what? You are a child of God. God is not angry, annoyed, that you kept on praying, asking, believing for something. In fact, that is highly commended, that kind of faith, to persist. Third, humility. When you look back, when you realize that you are a child of God and realize again that we did not deserve to be children of God, that our status as children of God is because of the grace of God, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, then it makes us realize that we can approach Him with confidence, but also in humility and not entitlement. And lastly, being raw, being genuine, can do that in our faith. Why? Because we know that at our worst, Jesus saved, rescued, and redeemed us. We can be open, unfiltered to the one who knows the worst parts about us. So in our words, church, for us here today, as children of God, we can still exemplify great faith. When we look back at our identities, knowing what Jesus did for us, I want to end with this verse in Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. It says here, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, the very reason why you started in this faith journey and you started walking with the Lord is because of Jesus. And He will perfect your faith. So it's not based on your own doings or whatever. It all goes back to Jesus. That's why I said a while ago that you need to understand, you need to be reminded that you are a child of God. Because of that, you're able to exemplify or live out a great kind of faith. Remember church, that Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our you just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victorydumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.